Well, this week, someone on the periphery of our community they reached out to me on Facebook Messenger at some point in the week, and they had noticed uh, some of our advertising that we were doing about this Pentecost Sunday. And her exact words to me were, going Pentecostal this Sunday, huh? Sounds a bit like going postal to me. And, you know, I get it. I totally get it, right? Have you ever been flipping through the channels late at night, usually on a Sunday night, when they're replaying a lot of that church stuff from the day, and you get to that public access channel or um, that cable station, and there's this sweaty preacher in a cheap hotel ballroom, and he's just screaming for people to receive the Holy Spirit, and they're just falling out in the aisles and stuff, or they're coming up one by one and the ushers are doing some jujitsu chop at them and they're dropping like flies. Have you ever seen this kind of chaotic postal show? Some of you might have actually had your own experiences of this in person, right? All the while they're screaming about the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. And people like us, we we get really nervous when we meet people like that. People who roll down the aisles and speak in tongues and start preaching about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we get nervous when people like that come around us. Which means that any mention of the Holy Spirit kind of unnerves us. It seems like in the modern world, the work and person of the Holy Spirit have been relegated to cheap hotel ballrooms, and public access TV. They, they never stop talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Meanwhile, the rest of us have fallen completely silent. While they are rolling around, getting all postal out there, speaking in tongues, our tongues have fallen silent. Who is the Holy Spirit? I mean, we say we believe in the Holy Spirit every week. We either stand and profess it in the creed, as we've been doing lately during this, this series, or we gather around this table and we say something like, pour out your spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. We say that every week, or we gather around the baptismal font, or um, to, to welcome a new baby into the fold of the faith or to welcome new members. And we pray that by water and the spirit, we all might be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Do you notice that spirit language? But what do we actually believe? What does it mean? Who is the spirit and how do we know when she shows up? While we run away from the spirit because being spirit-filled feels a lot like going postal and being moved by the spirit feels like complete chaos to us, feels like something we can't quite pin down, the witness in scripture and in the church of the spirit is actually quite opposite. We have given the spirit this bad rap for disorder when all the while the gift of the spirit and the history of the church is simply this, being ordered so that life can flourish. God's spirit is that which orders 
our life. God's spirit is that which orders creation, orders everything. That is the gift of God's spirit in us, among us, through us, ordering our hearts and our minds and our lives so that life works in us, around us, and through us. We think charisma is something loud and entertaining, someone who makes a show up front. We think our charismatic leaders need to be loud and boisterous all the while. God's deeply rooted gift of spirit is quietly ordering creation. You want to know what it's like to live with spirit? Forget about the loud, boisterous leaders. Find someone whose life is ordered so that others' lives can flourish. Find someone who helps order your heart and your mind. And you are in the presence of a charismatic leader filled with God's spirit. That's what our readings are about today. On Pentecost, the church kind of makes it obvious that God's spirit is that which brings order, not chaos. Somewhere, though, along the way, we've come up with the notion that God's spirit is this chaotic being who comes in and just wrecks havoc on everything and chaos breaks out. And you know people, you know people who are charismatic, spirit-filled people because They're just kind of chaotic, right? The wind just blows them wherever the wind's going to blow them. And if you're not that, then you don't have the spirit. And you know a charismatic, spirit-filled church, right? They never follow any real order. If your church doesn't cast aside the order of worship for wherever God's spirit might blow that morning, then your church doesn't have the spirit, right? You Methodists, intent on having a method to your worship. You people, you aren't that spirit-filled. Somehow that notion, that theology of the spirit has flowed into our thinking, even into our church life and scripture. Scripture, frankly, begs to differ. Every time God's spirit shows up in scripture, it's not chaos, but order which ensues. In the very beginning, when the earth is merely a chaotic void, God's spirit hovers over the chaos. And what does God's spirit do? Brings forth order, creates order. The water will come only this far, and the land will come only this far. This will be night, this will be day. And creation finds itself coming alive because God's spirit is ordering it to life. The Old Testament reading for Pentecost, which we didn't read today, we had to choose which ones we were going to read, is many times Ezekiel and the dry bones. Have you ever heard that text? Ezekiel is standing in the valley of the dry bones and bones are just strewn all around him. I mean, death has come in and it's done its deed and destruction is everywhere. The bones are scattered around so that there are rib bones over here and femur bones over here and there's a skull over here. The bodies are just strewn everywhere. And the spirit comes to Ezekiel and says, Hey, mortal, can these bones live? 
And Ezekiel, in this very charismatic way, says, ah. And then a wind blows across the bones and the ribs start to fall into place and the femurs start to fall into place and the arms start to fall into place and the bones get knit back together orderly so that they can be what they were created to be. This is God's spirit moving, ordering creation for life. The day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the disciples are huddled away upstairs. They're scared to death. And you know this story can be told and has been told in many different ways. Jesus ascended into heaven and they feel, these disciples feel like, like they've been left alone. And chaos is knocking at their door, ready to knock it down. Their leader, Jesus, was executed only a few weeks ago and they're They're next. It's chaos, sheer chaos. And they're locked away with the chaos of fear and hurt and anger all around them. And they feel as if this beautiful tapestry they have helped weave is merely two threads from being pulled apart. And then that familiar wind starts to blow through the room. And suddenly, the chaos of their fear gets reordered into compelling love for the world. And they march lockstep out into the world and the chaos of Babel all the way back to Genesis is undone. The church reorders the world so that everyone, not just one nation, one people, one language, but Everyone finds their way into God's love story. This is the movement of the Spirit, ordering God's people so that they bear fruit and the world comes alive again. So can we at least agree on this? Can we at least agree to no longer equate the Spirit or Spirit-filled or Pentecostal with a chaotic mess? Can we at least agree That what God does is brings order. Which is, by the way, which, by the way, does does disrupt. It does. It disrupts our disorder. And so sometimes it feels a little bit chaotic to us in our disordered lives when the spirit disrupts our disorder by God's order. But the mark of God's spirit is a life and a heart, and relationships, and all creation, and all the world that is ordered so that life can flourish. That's what we're celebrating today. That's the gift, the charis. That's what we believe is embodied in you people, you wildly charismatic people. Now, if this is new to you, just know it's also new to pastors too. Every pastor at some time or another has to take this class called The Theology and Practice of Ministry. I know it's a super vague title. But pretty much it's this class that delineates and defines the fourfold office of pastor. Basically, it answers this question. What distinguishes the pastoral call from the call of all Christians in their baptism? You know, you priesthood of all believers, what makes our office different? 
And the church has come up with this fourfold office to describe this. Actually, you all should know this because this is currently what I get paid to do. The, this, isn't not, this isn't my idea. This is your idea. You said, Michelle, we need you to do these four things. And so number one is word. We're called to word, to preaching and teaching. Number two, we're called to sacrament, called to making sure that you are fed at this table and washed at this font. Three, we're called to make sure that we're all serving in the world together to call you into service of the world. And then four, we're called to order, ordering the life of the church for faithfulness. Those are the four things you've told me you need me to do here. Word, sacrament, service, order. And now for pastors, though, the first three are really no problem. Ask anyone sitting in one of those theology and practice of ministry classes. Those are the reasons why they were called. Those are no-brainers. Of course, I love the Word of God. I love teaching the Word. I like how it walks and moves and surprises me. I love how it comes alive. Yes, of course, I love the sacraments. I love breaking bread. I love talking about the sacraments. I love holding that newborn baby. Service? That's where I come alive. I love connecting with new people and feeding the homeless and guiding other people into service. But you get to that fourth one and it just kind of goes quiet. And many ask, why in the world is this in our job description? I am not an administrator. Why in the world am I supposed to be ordering anything? Can I just be about the spiritual life of the church? And let someone else do all that crap? Order always ranks as lowest priority for pastors. A few years ago at a district clergy meeting where we were having the same old discussion, everyone hating on the ordering part of the pastoral task, a woman in, in her 60s who was just entering ministry as a second career chimed in and she told a story of when she was a little girl she was a little girl and her dad was the head of the administrative council at her church and she was always drug along to all these administrative council meetings and this was in the late 60s she said the church had just merged the united methodist church and the united brethren church and they were one of the few predominantly African-American Methodist churches in, the, in eastern North Carolina at this time. And they had just received word that they were going to get a white pastor. And things were tense. I mean, y'all can feel that right now. Imagine that in the 60s in eastern North Carolina. She said she could remember the conversation getting heated and fear and hurt and anger driving that conversation. And then she said she remembers the pastor standing up. This pastor had served this church for quite a while, who they loved deeply. He stood up and he said, here's what I think. Everywhere else in our world, people are fighting and squabbling about this very thing. Everywhere else in our world, conversations about race seem to breed sheer chaos. And what if they could look at our church and see that we're not about that? 
She said, it was like a wind blew through that room, reordering everything. Reordering the hearts and thoughts and minds and desires of these people in ministry together. Reordering their counsels, how they're going to be in mission they received that new pastor in this woman's and in this woman's words it was as if the church was more spirit-filled than ever god's spirit moves among us as the one who orders our hearts and lives individually and collectively so that we can come alive and bear fruit together and you you are the newest charismatic leaders in God's spirit-filled movement. You are the people who carry the gift of God's spirit, having had your hearts and your minds and your lives reordered so that you can come fully alive too. And like those first disciples who received that charismatic spirit, you are called to be in the world, disrupting the disorder of the world and ordering it so that life can flourish there too. Because it is still a wildly disordered world. It is still a wildly divided and disordered world around socioeconomic status, around race, around sexism. Fill in the blank. We have not progressed as far as we might think we have. Disorder is just more disguised these days. The gift we bring to the world is speaking order so that the world might be able to come alive. And you talk to any saint who's learned how to do this, who has sensed the spirit order their lives, and they'll tell you this. The real work is allowing God to order you first. Allowing God to order you Every day. The real work is allowing God's spirit to order your thoughts, your life, your heart, your actions every day. That's where the work of discipleship begins and ends. Tending to that gift that God's given us. Tending to that spiritual nag that's always calling us to be more than we are right now. And so I invite you. I'm going to invite you to do something that may feel incredibly charismatic today. During communion, I invite you to open yourself up to that gift. As you receive the bread and wine, I invite you to pray for God's spirit to reveal to you that which is disordered right now in your life. Disordered thoughts disordered desires, disordered relationships? What are you carrying that God's spirit needs to order so that you might become more fully alive? Would you pray for God to reveal that and to lead you into life today? Here, where the charismatic part starts though, here is where it starts. You're going to come up Orderly, of course. You're going to take your bread and your juice in order like good Methodists. You're going to go back to your ordered chairs. And then I invite you to use your bodies in prayer 
this morning. If you want to kneel, you kneel at your seats. If you want to use your hands, this is called the Oran's posture. If you notice, I will use it during communion today. It merely is an embodiment of openness to God ordering your life. Pray today with an openness for God to order your life and through you to order all the rest of creation. May today not just be the church's Pentecost. May it be your Pentecost.